Um, welcome uh, to Ask the Expert. Today we are speaking with uh, Dr. Logan Su. At the, he's the co-director of the Optical Imaging and Vital Microscopy Cent- uh, Core at Baylor College of Medicine. He's an assistant professor with appointments in integrative uh, physiology and education, innovation, and technology. Dr. Su received his uh, bachelor's degree in bioengineering from Tata University, master's degrees in biochemical engineering from National Chowtung uh, University and in science and technology commercialization from the University of Texas, Austin. And um, finally, he's got a lot of degrees here. He received his PhD from Baylor College of Medicine. He has over 18 years of research experience in basic and applied biomedical research. And he spent the last eight years in a direct customer facing and business development position at Baylor College of Medicine. He's worked with local and international investigators for experimental consultation, design, data analysis, and support for research projects and grant proposals. He also provides training and instruction in light microscopy and X-ray micro CT imaging to independent researchers. He's very active in developing new protocols for sample preparation, data acquisition, and data analysis, and translate these into core services. And in addition, as part of the International Mouse Phenotyping Consortium, IMPC, He's supervised two phenotyping pipelines for the NIH-funded Knockout Mouse Project, or KOMP, at Baylor, and um, the Embryotic Lethal Micro-CT Phenotyping phenotyping Pipeline, as well as the Adult SDOCTI Morphology Pipeline. He served as a liaison to the scientific informatics and management teams for protocol development, documentation, pipeline performance improvement, and optimization of the BCM COMP project. So uh, welcome. Uh, we're very interested in this talk, we, uh, the, which is titled Easy Clear for Simple, Rapid, and Robust Mousehole Organ Clearing, and look forward to having you walk us through this uh, fascinating protocol. All right. Thank you, Monica, for the uh, invitation for this opportunity of uh, letting us to share our uh, recent discovery and also your kind introduction. So it is really my pleasure to be able to share uh, not only our core, but what we are doing here and how potentially we can um, use this to help the audience for the sugar science. So I hope at the end of the talk, uh, our technology advancement uh, will help everybody think slightly differently about their research. And if you have any specific question uh, about how this can apply to your research, please feel free to um, ask any question at the end, or you can contact me directly after the talk. Let's see. Okay, real quick about uh, who we are. The optical imaging and the vital microscopy core at Baylor College of Medicine is a light microscopy core. And we specialize in optical sectioning tools for fluorescence microscopy. And the core is operated by Jason Kirk, who is our technical director and uh, myself, uh, the co-director here at Baylor. So we are providing training, consultation, experimental design for all level of independent researcher, not only at Baylor, but also across the Texas Medical Center. So within our core, um, the available technologies mainly covers the fluorescence imaging microscopy. uh, And uh, we do have confocal, lysi, multi-photon, wild field microscopy. One specific instrument is the micro CT scanner, which we highly utilize that for uh, soft tissue imaging um, for mouse phenotyping. As Monica mentioned earlier, 
Baylor is one of the NIH funded site for the knockout mouse project or the comp phenotyping pipeline. So for the past eight years, we have utilized this iodine contrast micro CT for 3D imaging and our mouse embryo phenotyping. We have scanned roughly uh, on average about 400 mouse embryos across a year uh, for the past eight years and also cover around 400 single gene knockout mouse line to see how they will affect the survival of the mouse embryo during the early development. Uh, but that's something that hopefully in the future uh, I will be able to share for the audience. But today uh, I want to focus more on two technologies. One is the lysine microscopy and also the other one is tissue clearing. So with the combination of these two, uh, we are actually able to achieve whole mouse organ 3D imaging to allow our investigator to interrogate either the expression of endogenous fluorescence reporters they are interested in, or uh, they can perform whole mount immunofluorescence staining to target their specific uh, self-surface or intercellular antigens of their interest to see how they are um, contributing in their particular research. So first, what is Lysi microscopy? So Lysi is a very specialized fluorescence imaging techniques that's been developed for the past, uh, that's more, become more popular for the past about 10 years and uh, become more applicable to all the uh, users as well. So it's designed for fast and gentle imaging um, because they want to be able to achieve much higher speed, much faster acquisition. So uh, it will be much gentle on the sample itself. So the method by doing that is to decouple the excitation light path and also the detection light path. So what does that mean? In the traditional epifluorescence microscopy, the illumination path and the detection path is at the same axis, which means that you will shine the light through your sample, through your detection lens, and then the emission light will come back for the detection and the generated image. But in the Lysi illumination methods, the light illumination is being decoupled and the, which is perpendicular to where the detection path is at. So only the part that has the light coming through will be illuminated and also the light that's been generated will come into the detection lens. So because of this uh, method of light illumination, it creates the uh, inherent optical sectioning capability already. Uh, also in compared to the confocal microscopy, even though the signal is collected from the focal plane through the control of the pinhole, the laser will still illuminate the entire sample when it's scanning, which means that the longer you're scanning your sample, uh, you will still risk of bleaching your signal. So where in Lysi, only the plane of the light that's passing through will be illuminated, which makes it much, much more gentle to the samples. And when you scan scanning through the sample step-by-step, step, uh, it will it will be much faster and much easier. In addition to that, uh, in the laser scanning microscopy, the image generation is through raster scan of the laser, which is stepped through the image 
area step by step and it's generated pixel by pixel through the scanning. But in the Lychee imaging, the image is captured by area detectors or camera uh, of the to capture the image from the entire area frame by frame, which makes it much faster with less uh, photo damage and it can extend the observation periods for the researcher. So with all these advancements uh, on this imaging techniques, uh, including the inherent optical sectioning capability, much faster scanning speed, this allow us to be able to image much larger sample with this uh, imaging method. And the origin, original design of these system that we were able to image sample that's as small as organoid or spheroid, which is uh, shown on the, let me see if the movie will play. On the left is a neurospheroid that's about a hundred micron diameter uh, in size. And uh, they have several different labeling with the nesting and uh, the neurosphere, uh, neuros, neuro stem cells has the DS ray labeling by itself. And also the nucleus is stem with uh, host in this case. And uh, we can also scan sample that's ranging from E7.5 mouse embryos that's still developing with the nucleus counter stand, as well as sample that's uh, up to about one to 1.5 millimeter in lens for such as the E9.5 mouse embryo. So with this imaging techniques that allows us not, uh, not only can scan much larger sample and also uh, because of the design, we don't have to flat mount our sample, which means that we don't have to sandwich them between the cover glass and uh, uh, the slides to image them. So we can maintain their 3D morphology. Just quick question. Do you guys, sure. what's the size uh, scale bar on these? Or is there one, what, what's the approximate size, uh, particularly yeah. of the embryos? Sure. So for the neurosphere is 100 micron in diameter. For the 7.5 mouse embryo is about 500 micron in the length. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the 9.5 mouse embryo, it's roughly between one millimeter to 1.5 millimeter in length. Mm, okay, great. So uh, with this imaging techniques that you already can image sample that's much larger than what you will normally do on the fluorescence or confocal microscopy. And without spending uh, hours or days just trying to cover your entire field of view. And uh, that's what originally the system was designed for. They, people designed it for... Um, Drosophila embryos for zebrafish development that are falling into this range. But of course, when uh, people start to be able to image larger sample, we start wondering, can we image even much bigger size sample like mouse brain, mouse heart, mouse organs, etc. But when they're getting bigger, uh, we all run into the issue that they are not transparent because in order to be able to image through your sample that you have to be able to let the light penetrate through. So the reason that when you look at your hands, you cannot see through it, it's because there's things that's blocking the light or it's bending or scattering the light. So you cannot see what's happening inside. Which uh, then in the past 10, 15 years also, a field that's called optical tissue clearing also is advancing very fast to try to make large tissue become optically transparent. So then we will be able to investigate 
what the cellular component and how the tissue organization is happening within your tissue of interest. So real brief, what is tissue clearing? So the basic principle for tissue clearing is to try to exchange the water content in the sample, which usually is the largest amount, uh, largest component within the sample. And it has a very low index of refraction, uh, which is at 1.33. And then by exchanging that with substance that can match the index of refraction of the protein and the lipids, then by doing so, we can make the tissue become optically transparent, which means that because you have a homogeneously matched media throughout your tissue, then when the light is passing through, it doesn't uh, change direction, it doesn't scatter. So then you will be able to see everything through your tissue and observe what's happening within. within. So uh, the four most common strategy of clearing in the past are uh, either solvent-based, simple immersion, hyperhydration, or it's a, a method that's hydrogel scaffolding and lipid removal. So we're gonna touch base on two methods real quick for today. First one is the organic solvent-based uh, clearing. So this method uses organic solvents to dehydrate the sample and also uh, with some chemicals that has the capability to dissolve the lipid once the sample is dehydrated. Then um, once the lipid is removed, then the sample will be immersed in the various kind of chemicals that has very high index of refraction, which match the tissue itself then it can make the tissue become transparent. So the most uh, popular methods are like a BAB, B-A-B-B, or 3-DISCO that are organic solvent-based. These protocols, the advantage of them is they're very simple, very quick, very effective, but the advantage is that it's really, uh, you are generating a lot, a lot of solvent waste, and also you will need specific imaging equipment that designed for imaging the sample in the organic solvent. So you have to invest something to be able to do that. The other method that's more uh, very popular and very robust is to, it's called X-Clarity or it's a hydrogel scaffold based lipid removal process. So this is a very elegant process that uh, to scaffold your tissue with hydrogel. So when the, and then use the electrophoresis mediated detergent lipid removal process to wash away the lipid component. Then because the whole tissue has been scaffolded with hydrogel, so it doesn't fall apart. Then uh, again, by matching the sample with aqueous uh, imaging solution, it will become transparent. So like I said, the clarity or X clarity is a very popular and uh, standardized method for this clearing strategy. But the problem is that if the process is very complicated and it varies a lot, depends on the tissue type you are treating. So you really need to spend time to optimize how everything is uh, going for your particular subject uh, for, for research. Um, and another thing is that we have this pipeline at our core and we've been training people with it. Um, you have to have like investment for the equipment upfront in order to do it. And like I said before, you also need to be able to 
you need to spend time to optimize for your particular research subject in order to run in order to run it consistently. So, so are these protocols? Um, may I ask? Are these protocols for each subject? Or can you find them on protocols? You know, IO or, or is this uh, a very bespoke situation? It's really case by case because it's not. It has a very general protocol, usually for clearing the mouse brain, because everything kind of developed starting uh, for the mouse brain as a benchmark to begin with. But it will vary, depends on how you do. If you want to do a mouse heart, mouse kidney, pancreas, they have different differences in size, in lipid contents, in different um, other cell type composition. So they all need to be fine-tuned. Right. So. And Not then, that. so are you guys, you know, you have this core at Baylor and you're mm -hmm. really, you know, um, involved in it. Are there other cores across the country that have the same level of expertise? Oh, yeah. I mean, this uh, this method has been adopted by many, many imaging core across the U.S. Yeah, because mm -hmm. it's I'm, I'm saying, uh, well, it is still a very controllable system because you can um there's many level of um what was that checkpoints that to ensure that your sample doesn't fall apart and it can be clear sufficiently yeah but like i said uh it's not something as an imaging core it actually becomes a little difficult because we have to satisfy all different customers research subjects so there's nothing that can uh, just one protocol fits for everybody. Yeah. And that also caused frustration for our users because uh, I mean, I think we all want something that uh, very easy, very straightforward because these, these are a tool to help you look inside to really then focus on what you, you are really interested in. But if you really need to spend uh, weeks and months to optimize this, optimize this process, uh, sometimes it becomes a hurdle for our our researchers. So yeah, that's why. and then once they publish it, it has to be, you know, people have to be able to replicate it, so. Exactly, and uh, uh, a lot of times that the postdoc publish it and the coming postdoc or students try to pick it up again, and that knowledge just transfer, uh, transfer just disappear because mm. there's many, points that need to be controlled and oftentimes those knowledge are not being passable. So, so what's the better way? <laughs> that's the better way. So uh, that's leading into, that's why we want to make everything easier. So yes. when we started thinking about it, we were like, so what if we can combine the benefit and the simple simplicity of the solvent clearing and also make it in the aqueous environment? So. The whole thing can be adaptable for most common imaging equipments that general lab laboratory are having. So that's the discovery or the birth of easy clear. So we tried really the goal for us is to make this method as easy, as simple as possible. So finally, after uh, many testing, many um, trial, we found out that we can use a organic solvent, which is called tetrahydrofuran. It's highly uh, lipophilic and also it's very highly water miscible. So by using that, mixing 50% of tetrahydrofuran in water 
and immerse our sample in there, we can efficiently dissolve the lipid out from the tissue, but the whole, whole thing is still remain hydrate, hydrated in the aqueous environment. And then because it's really water miscible, we can just use simple washes in, in water to remove all the chemicals. Then once they've been equilibrated in the imaging buffer, within 24 hours, they will become transparent. So this entire process, it only takes three simple steps. And in 48 hours, you can make your tissue or your mouse brain become transparent. So at the bottom panel, you can see um, the comparison of the fixed mouse brain to the clear tissue that after the process, it's completely transparent, which allows us to, to be able to do the whole mouse brain imaging uh, and also to be able to see what's happening inside. So I hope this movie actually plays uh, throughout the Zoom sharing. So this is yeah, uh, great. Taiwan. It's beautiful, really Thank beautiful. You. Thank you. Uh, this is a Taiwan EGFP uh, positive neurons. Uh, it's a transgene that labels majority of the neuron populations in the adult, uh, in the mouse brain. So we treat it with this clearing process and image um, with the Lychee uh, techniques. Oh, it stopped. Um, but with this methods, not only it can make the brain transparent, but it also can preserve the endogenous reporter. So we have tried uh, sample like with EGFP, with TD tomato, with M cherries. Um, there's other things that we have tried, but all of them can be preserved. And uh, also this method, like I said, it's really simple. It's really only three steps. Here's a, on the top is a comparison with other methods that uh, most people are trying. For example, the X clarity, usually uh, it takes about 128 hours to finish the whole process, but really that depends on what tissue you are treating with. Uh, there's other methods, but uh, the point here is that we are much shorter and much simpler. And also with this method, at the bottom here, we also compare with all the all, uh, the three other methods that after the treatment, our sample remained the same size compared to the uh, original just after fixation. But other methods potentially will cause the sample to either shrink or expand, depends on what method you're using, which is important because uh, you want to make sure that everything comes out is consistent. Uh, if there's a yeah, I mean, you're going to alter your morphology with you have all this shrinkage and or, you know, expansion. Right. Potentially. So those are things are uh, even though there's shrinkage or expansion uh, after uh, careful validation, it's still useful for your particular research. But if you can eliminate that upfront, then that can save you a lot of effort trying to validate the information. So uh, you might be wondering, so yeah, you're done with brain. Can you do the same process with other mouse organ or other tissue? And the answer is yes. We have applied the same method, three steps, 48 hours treatment for a uh, majority of the mouse organ that uh, we, we collected. For example, here on the top, we are showing the mouse eye, heart, lung, liver, spleen, kidney, and testes. At the bottoms are five examples that uh, we perfuse the animal with uh, lectin and uh, conjugate with a far red 404. So it labels the endothelium of the vasculature. So what you're seeing here are the all the vasculatures in different organs. So we were 
able to not only clear them, but image all the organs as a intact hormone tissues. Next, uh, just want to show another movie real quick that this is a mouse eye that's intact with the cornea lens that's still within and uh, uh, with the vasculature that's been perfused. So this means a lot to us because now we like to show eye candies. Uh, this literally is eye candy. And uh, without cutting the cornea or retina off to flat mount it, we are able to image the entire vasculature within the limbus area within the retina that can help a lot of research moving forward for our particular interest. So beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm gonna jump ahead just in sake of the time uh, real quick to the end because I do want to show some of the uh, one of example uh, that we had recently. But here real quick is that uh, we did some validation to make sure that uh, compared to other methods, uh, in this case, we compared to FAST3D that our method can get the stable preserved fluorescence with a sharp high contrast signal compared to others. Um, and uh, I'm going to skip this movie real quick, but this is the vasculature that's perfused in the mouse brain and compared between two methods. And you might be wondering, uh, with this method, can we do hormone immunostaining after we clear the tissue? And uh, yes, we have tried that. So uh, we have compared the method. So basically, we treat our sample with easy to clear. In this case, we use the mouse brain as example. And then we either do it, do the immunostaining with IDISCO or treat it with standard immunofluorescence staining process, which there's nothing fancy, just like what, what you will do at the lab. Uh, which it takes 13 days, but everything is done under room temperature. So I think this is something that you don't have to invest in spe special equipment. You can easily reproduce that in, in your lab if you're interested in. Uh, here really is showing that we can stand a sample across homogeneously with the nucleus standing. In this case, it's topo three. And we can also stand our sample uh, diffuse the antibody in with smooth muscle, conjugated with side three, and the lab has same same label, same level of labeling between the IDISCO and just straightforward immunofluorescence protocol. One more thing I want to highlight is that most of the time the clearing is the terminal process for a lot of research subject, but what else can we potentially do with with the sample after the sample has been clear and imaged? In this case, we have shown that we can, uh, after imaging, we can turn the sample back into or equilibrate it back into PBS and uh, send it for cryosections. And uh, here is showing that the previous sample that has a GFP positive tumor cells that uh, express in the mouse brain. And after we image it in the as a whole, we cryosection it, and uh, the fluorescence still pre preserved for the lectin and also the GFP positive tumor cells, and we can also send a sample for HME staining. So these opens another opportunity to further investigate your sample after you have a global overview of what's happening inside.
you can take this sample again, section it once you have located your uh, region of interest or for, for this case, we have located where the tumor is at. We can focus on that region to section it and do higher power imaging uh, for on this sample. They can also be the cryosection sample can also be then subject for immunofluorescence staining with various markers. So this is a pipeline that we are highly recommending because now once you're dealing with thinner sections, you then can uh, reduce the amount of antibody that you're using for immunostaining. And also you now have much more materials to perform different antibody standings to investigate on your particular subject. So all these, again, are done with a very standardized immunostaining process, not, nothing fancy. Uh, it's really easy to be done in any standard molecular biology lab. This is another uh, eye candy movie that we have the immunostain sample image on the confocal microscopy to show the degree of detail that can be uh, observed. Not only the endogenous fluorescence uh, is preserved, but also on top of that, we can perform additional staining to the sample. And all these can be done with the common imaging modalities that's available either in your lab or in your core facility to help you achieve all these uh, imaging needs. So how can these be applied for the diabetic investigation? Very, very luckily, we recently have a user that came to us that they have an implantable uh, cell homing and encapsulation device, which they call it as a niche. So this is a very elegant design of their device. So they have a silicon mold that have, oh, sorry, they have a reservoir uh, that's designed to have the drug delivery possibility. And also uh, there's cellular uh ingrowing component that's within this biomaterial. So once they, at the beginning, they encapsulate the mesenchymal stem cells within the cellular component here to induce neoangiogenesis into the vasculature, uh, into, the, into the scaffold. And then once the neovascularization has happening, they will inject the immunosuppressant into the reservoir to and then deliver the islet into this neoangiogenic environment mm. to see how the whether the islet can survive and also uh, if they can start secreting uh, insulin. Very so clever, clever design. It's very elegant and very clever. And uh, this research is uh, is provide. The slides are provided by the uh, Simon. Kapuni and uh, it's from Dr. Uh, Guantoni's lab at Houston Methodist Research Institute. So they have a couple of the, their paper that's available here if our audience are interested in. And so I'm uh, sure many people will be quite interested in this. <laughs> right, because this is a very, very elegant design and uh, to create the supporting environment ahead of time and then deliver the islets into pancreatic islets into this device and to see if the whole thing can support not only support the survival of the pancreatic islet but also whether they can start to secrete insulin so traditionally after this all happened if you want to see if the cell survives or how vascular 
uh, how vascularized of the device is, you have to take it out sections, uh, but you only have very small field of view. Uh, but with the combination of tissue clearing and light sheet, now they have a very, they have their preliminary result is showing that we actually can take not entire device yet uh, because some physical limitation, but we can investigate at much larger volume of that neovascular neovascularized environment to see how the vessels is repopulating that area as well as how the the pancreatic islets are whether the survival of them so in the right is actually the the mice actually is being with it the mice was perfused with lactin again so uh and that's from the neovascularized region so be able to detect the signal means that it's the whole vasculature is connected to the circulation so the lactin can actually go to the the uh, biomaterial or the new vessels that's forming within the bioscaffold. So what they're doing, I think in the future, we'll be able to see more exciting results from, from this group to see how the islets are, so whether the survival rate of it and how when they changing their condition, how it will impact the entire bio device. So real yeah. quick, in summary, um, really easy, clear is so so simple, so easy. Um, it's really really uh, easy to reproduce in if you would if you would like to try it, and they're compatible with hormone immunofluorescence staining. And most importantly, you can take your sample after clearing to go through the same cryosection histology and immunofluorescence staining to extend the possibility of using your precious sample for downstream investigation. Yeah, that's very important, um, given that many of the NPOD samples, you know, are coming from patients and families who have passed away. So they're very precious. Right. And also, you know, this is just such a great, a great talk. Thank you very much. Um, I, I do want to ask you, you know, if someone is in the audience and would like to get, you know, um, access to Easy Clear, mm -hmm. uh, how do they go about doing that? Do they contact you directly? Oh uh, yeah, please contact me directly, and uh, uh, our paper is available on eLife, and yes. uh, all the materials are commercially available. So they should be very straightforward to be purchased and uh, uh, to be mixed up, to be prepared. Like I said, any standard molecular biology lab will be able to will have the capability to prepare all the solution and. Uh, perform the experiment. But if anyone have any question, uh, please feel free to contact me, send me an email, I'll be more than happy to answer any questions. Great. And that email for those listening is loganh at bcm.edu, L-O-G-A-N-H at bcm.edu. He's also on Twitter at CWLoganHSU. And this is, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity here, I think, for you know, really exploring uh, the mice, uh, mouse organ um, of pancreas and islets, but perhaps even extending it to human islets and uh, pancreas as well, and and seeing how that you know, you know how that might work in context of this protocol. So, thank you again very much for this uh, excellent presentation, beautiful images, and uh, also very, uh, very. Um, 
you know, useful in terms of like going just further than the visualization and understanding what molecules are involved. Thank you. And uh, if I can have just uh, 10 seconds, I really would like yes. to thank my uh, mentor, my supervisor, and my good friend, uh, Dr. Mary Dickinson, who support my research career to make everything happen. And also my colleague, uh, Josh White, and her, his students in his lab, that we really put the effort together to make this kind of concept uh, paper happen and actually make it available to the research community. Um, so these are funding source and some of the other course that we uh, that support this research. And again, if you have any question, please feel free to contact us. And uh, we often share information on Twitter about what we have done, uh, what we have clear. I've asked just this week, can, can we clear uh, human brain? And uh, yesterday, can we clear a human toe? So <laughs> if we have done anything with that, uh, we will share that on Twitter as well. Sounds great. Thanks again and uh, have a great rest of your day. It was wonderful talking to you. Thank you.